right. I can hear still some of you out there. Stop avoiding me. That was the longest we've ever made it in the intro music, so get in here. <laughs> All right, then. So, we are continuing on with our theme of the month. We got two weeks left. Well, one more week left after today, so this theme of sacrifice. <clears throat> How we as believers should come to better understand just exactly what that means to us. How we demonstrate a healthy sacrifice, as I've been saying. Sacrifice that is for the right reasons. And up to this point, I've talked a little bit about um, what that means and how we carry that out. Um, and we've carried it out in our cell groups, too, and we've had good discussions, so I appreciate that. Um, about how we sacrifice for the body of Christ, specifically. Um, how when we do that, we do it with the aim of building up the church. Um, whether that means you know fellow believers or people completely new to God, our aim is to build the body of Christ up. And we've been talking about just this relational sacrifice. And when we, live, um, when we live and treat each other in this way, it beautifully reflects that same sort of relational investment that Christ had in us. You know, I talked about, we talked a little bit about the Jude Project last, last week, and, you know, some of you got introduced to what that is. And last night, for a few of you guys who spent the night over at Haven, you got to experience just that deep level of... Um, conversation and sacrificing to invest in that. Um, so it was good. It was good to, to flex that muscle. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, and I would encourage you guys to keep on doing that. This week, I want to try and just continue to take a more in-depth look into what scripture says about this attitude that we are now called to adopt. Um, what Paul says in Romans 12, um, and just the first couple verses, and I've over the last week, I've just, I mean, I've personally come to appreciate how much there is to unpack in just two short sentences in Scripture. It's great. So, Romans 12. So, and he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So it's important to know, and you know, obviously there are several of you who already are aware um, that the book of Romans up to this point has been Paul exploring the depths of God's grace and his purpose in redeeming us through Christ. And so now in, in chapter 12, he starts out by saying, because of all that, and then, you know, he'll, he'll finish out the letter um, with, with what he has to say. Uh, he gives us the practical outworking and response we are to have because of that grace and that work through his son. And this is sort of a formula that's consistent, FYI, um, in a lot of Paul's writing sort of, um, if you were to, you know, cut it up into two, like, rough sections, it's, this is what God has done for you, and this is how you are called to respond to that because of these things. So, in Galatians and Ephesians, for example, he spends, like, I don't know, the first three to four chapters, depending on the book, um, the same sort of breakdown. He challenges the churches to live in a way that is reflective of what has been done and given to, the, given to them, to us, through through Christ. So, 
So what does Paul mean in here when he says, uh, when he talks about living sacrifices? Um, you know, it kind of sounds oxymoronic in a way, especially when you consider what sacrifices, sacrifice has been pre-Christ. Um, and on the surface, I think it sounds straightforward enough, you know, especially for me. I talked about how I, I have to really work to unpack and peel back layers, but, um, and I think it could be easy to just sort of blow through those, just those first two opening verses and, you know, and move on without thinking about it. Um, but, so yeah, sacrifices of the Mosaic law, of, of the law pre-Christ, um, were through slaughtered animals. We talked about that a little bit. And a couple weeks ago, I mentioned how you can go back and look, excuse me, through the book of Leviticus, or in anywhere, really, um, in the historical books, but of the multitude of laws speaking to that, you know, the how and the why and the for what reason do you sacrifice in this way or in that way, so on and so forth. Um, but Christ, as I said, has fulfilled that old law, that old way of doing things. And so now those dead dead animal sacrifices are no longer needed or expected. Instead, God is now pleased with us, as Paul says, when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. But, I don't know, I wonder, I wonder if we just ever have really tried to appreciate that and just the massive implication and expectation that comes with a statement like that and a calling like that. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know if it's, we don't really have a relevant way of understanding that. I spoke a couple weeks ago about how, you know, you can kind of understand that if you think about our cultural rituals that we have, you know, the happy birthdays and the, and the marriages and, you know, whatever else, whatever other things we do culturally on a, on a normal basis to honor something, but I don't know. It, I don't know how else to present what what that, that meant, what that mechanism meant for the Jews and the significance of it, um, and just how that, this mechanism of sacrifice for them was, was their way of coming to God and, you know, trying to reconcile, you know, their, their, their wrongdoings to God and how, how they came to him and how they offered whatever it was in whatever way they did, as I mentioned, um, to just sort of be back in, in that in that grace. And I was just really trying to think of a, just a relevant example of how to make that more, so you guys can really appreciate that, what that was for them, but I don't know, I couldn't. Um, and you know, there's different like cliche sentences and stuff, but anything that's just not Christ is just not good enough, so I just, I stopped trying. But what I do know is that it doesn't mean when we sacrifice, when we offer a living sacrifice, it doesn't mean in, um, on just those days that we're like, you know, we're feeling good and we're feeling up to it and we're super gung-ho or on fire for God. But it's every single day, this attitude and this mentality of, of offering this of ourselves. Paul is pleading to us to live every single day as if we are offering the most pleasing thing to God. And just, like, think about that in the way that, like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I wish I could just, <laughs> you know, like, make us all deeply appreciate this calling that we have. It's in everything we do. It's in every situation we are faced with and every interaction we have and every problem we have to solve and every relationship we 
inherit or maintain just everything. It's this concept of offering ourselves as a living sacrifice is, is a reference to just the totality of our being, I guess. I don't know. Paul uses the same verb here to present. Um, I'm going to butcher this, but forgive me. He says peristini, peristimi. I don't know how to say it, but that's the Greek word. He uses the same word here that he does in Romans 14, uh, 12, where he's talking about one day we will present ourselves before Christ on the day of judgment. Um, and I just really like, I really like that illustration in my mind and you know, my sort of militant brain. Um, but I think about it in kind of a way, that way to present yourself. Um, I think about it in terms of like, you know, a drill sergeant or something in the military where he's like, okay, first of all, is it a ten hut or is he just saying attention? Attention? But he says it like, a ten hut. <laughs> he, like, he like ditches speaking English at that point and just makes a noise. Um, but anyways, I think about that sort of illustration and how at that point, ah, oh man, too bad Jacob's not up here. He has a lot of experience with it or Pastor Monty or, yeah, just those two. Um, uh, but that sort of stepping up, right, and presenting yourself to be inspected, you know, and I really like that illustration and the verbiage he uses here when he's talking about presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Um, yeah, you're, it's, it, it, urges, it's, it urges us to be, um, what do you call it, proactive? Proactive in the way that we are living and viewing that of ourselves as, as a, a living sacrifice. sacrifice. It's not reacting, reactive, or like operating out of you know, a deficit or something, but it's something we're constantly called to be thinking about. Um, and it's just another one of these filters that we put into our, our brain that we do these things from, and that we do it all the time. Paul doesn't say, like, uh, yield yourself or surrender yourself or something like that. You know, there's an implication in our, like, sloppy language, but those words are used in Scripture in different instances, but in our, in our language, English sloppy language, we have, like, attached negative connotations to that in a lot of respects, um, but he's not saying, you know, yield or surrender yourself, because the implication is that it's unwilling, right? Paul's saying, present yourself. It implies a willing offering of, of, what, of how we live. If I yield or surrender a gift to someone, for example, like, say I, say I yielded a gift to Brittany or something, uh, or I surrendered a gift to Brittany, or, you know, anyone that I love, but it's not the same, right? Like, people don't want you to yield gifts to them or surrender gifts to them when you're, when you're giving. Um, they want you to be doing it willingly and out of love and a deep investment in that relationship, and it's something that I've really thought about and thinking about a long time, long term, too. Like, when, I, when I'm thinking about what I can and want to give to this person or for this person, it's, it's not... Yeah, it's not, not without intent and like on a deep level. Um, and so it was the same with like our presentation and offering to God as a sacrifice. Um, just like my sacrifice or 
something, a gift to my wife or friend, it's, it's joyous and willing. And it's proactive rather than reactive. And we do it, as, like I said, we're thinking long term about it. We're invested in that way so that we don't present what we present, peristemi, peristemi, I need to learn how to pronounce that, but you get the point. We don't do it out of some sort of like weak reaction, you know, or remembrance or honoring of our relationship with God and giving back to him what he's already giving us. But it's proactive and it's long-term thinking and it's deep investment. And we talked about that last week. Paul says that we are not only to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, but also as a holy one. So what does that mean? How can we approach what he's talking about here in another, from another angle in terms of ourselves um, offering to God? Scripture makes it very clear that God isn't interested, like I just said, in man's weak or half-hearted attempt at giving something to him. Uh, and Pastor Monty started out the month using the, the Cain and Abel illustration. You know, one brother that gave something and the other brother that gave the best of, the best of what he had. Some of what he had versus the best of what he had. Um, and it's, it's all over the place in Scripture, too. Leviticus 22, and it's all over Leviticus itself. But um, do not present an animal with defects, because the Lord will not accept it on your behalf. Malachi 1, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving things like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Numbers and Deuteronomy and Job and Ezekiel and like I said, it's all over the place, but they all speak about sacrifice as being something that is without blemish or without defect. It does you no good, or what good is it rather, to give something that is already sucky, you know? Like it's no it's it's of no consequence to you to to give that because you have nothing to lose. Um so yeah, Christ himself was the ultimate sacrifice without this defect or blemish. And in 1 Peter, he says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God is not interested in a life that is with defects or blemishes. Um, he's not interested in this level of mediocrity or... Yeah, this level of mediocrity in, in our sacrifice to him, in the way that we live um, and carry out this attitude. And he follows up, Paul follows up in Romans 12, second verse here, he, Paul, he follows it up with the statement that if we're really interested in being a perfect and holy sacrifice, then we have to change the way that we think. The behavior and customs of this world don't follow the behavior and customs of this world, but instead let God transform you uh, by changing the way that you think, he says. The commitment to becoming this living sacrifice is a commitment to change, and it's a, it's a radical change, too. Um, a reversal of our thinking and values and motives and how we are used to operating to those ends, to accomplish those ends or whatever. It's not a minor repair, but it's a complete breakdown and rebuild. Um, I really like this, and again, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter's good. It says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. So just with the, with the, with the mindset of 
of rebuilding ourselves, right? We're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are, you are his holy priest. Though the mediation of Jesus Christ, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who rejected him, the stone that builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness in in his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even, they, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. I think it's interesting in this verse also, I guess side note, that he uses the same language, Peter uses the same language that Paul does, um, referring to how we are now priests. So obviously before, uh, you know, when talking about sacrifice, there was a dedicated person that was responsible for conducting that offering. But now we operate in this way and in this role, in the way that, our, that we are a living sacrifice. Um, this priestly role, so we can come to that and we can present that um, to God um, and add it to a part of our calling. When we're able to really distance ourselves, Scripture says, from the world's empty measures of, you know, what's good and just and an upright, upstanding citizen or whatever it may be, when we're able to distance ourselves from those ideas that are presented to us, but instead align ourselves with Christ, with what God and his word are calling us to, in living a life that is different, set apart, uh, holy, ready to do what's no doubt the unpopular thing, I guess, um, ready to make unpopular choices and go against the grain, ready to be counterculturalists. that's a big one, that's a, that's a hot term right now, ready to suffer for that and ready to die for that and ready to always be willing to point in his direction and everything that, like I said in the beginning, everything that we do and say and teach and the ways we interact, then, Paul says, that is what's acceptable in being a sacrifice. That is the kind of sacrifice that God finds acceptable. And I really liked this verse that I stumbled upon again. It's my homework in Fire Smiths this week. Um, but First Peter chapter 4 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. And I really like that. I really like that attitude of that calling. And when we compare ourselves to the world and when we measure our sacrifice, um, that this is our goal, 
to be partners with him in, in this way. Um, as individuals in our relationships, as individuals and in, as individuals in our relationship and as a united body, that's what I was trying to get at, we have a responsibility to each other to do all that we can in each holding each other accountable to this, the same quality of sacrifice, to think about the quality of your sacrifice, what we put forward on the metaphorical altar now, our lives, um, they're, they're, we're called to have them without blemish and without defect. And I said earlier that Paul follows the same sort of pattern, right, in his writings. And after spending, you know, 11 chapters magnifying God's grace and purpose and all that, he calls us to live in response to that, that grace. He says that it's our reasonable service. If, I don't know what all translations you're using, but some manuscripts read that. Um, and I really like that, that added dynamic to it. It's our reasonable service. Um, and it just kind of reminds me of our whole year last year. But uh, I think those words are spot on, you know? I know that... Yeah, I don't know. I know that last week I spoke sort of against that idea of social contract theory, you know, because, of, because you do this for me, I do this to you, but, um, or for you. But in a world that insists on operating in that way, I like what he says here, and I think that Paul's message of it's our reasonable service should resonate even more for people if that's where they want to start from. Um, yeah, he starts, it, he starts it out here saying, and so, or therefore, and you know, we're supposed to take into context everything that he said before that. We don't have time to read 11 chapters of Romans, but because we are forgiven of sin, because we are justified through our faith, because we have peace and are united with Christ, and because we're free from the law, and because we're adopted as sons and daughters, and because of all these things, because we receive the Holy Spirit, and because we are not separated from Christ's love. In light of all these things, Paul says, we are being urged to think of ourselves as a living sacrifice, and it is our reasonable service. The Greek, that, the Greek word that he uses here, I'm not even going to try and say it, I'm just going to tell you that the Greek word he uses here <laughs> is, de is derived from the word that we get logical from. That's not that hard of a word. Log logikos, logikos. Whatever, okay? <laughs> I'm not a linguist, but Paul says that it's logical, you know? And yeah, it pertains to our mind. Paul says that we have to change the way we think, and I really like that connection, and I like looking into that. Looking into that. Change your mind and how you've been thinking about yourselves up to this point. Change the way that you view yourself. Um, People like to fancy themselves, I guess, as like free thinkers, right? And don't, don't want to be told what to do. That's like an issue with men in particular. Like, I know I struggle with that. Like, it's hard for me to be told how to conform in a certain way. But that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing, guys. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Um, Paul calls on us to exercise our minds to connect for ourselves that, that worship of sacrifice. Um, that worship of sacrificial service and the way that we live our lives is a proper response. It's reasonable. 
Serving God is the logical thing to do because of all of these things that he had just listed out. Disobeying God is illogical and irrational in spite of the grace he shows and what we receive. And as believers, we are never called to set aside our mind, but to, you know, employ it, um, if you will, based upon that truth that we receive. Our minds are to always be turned on, always be active, proactive, okay, in thinking about these things and what it is that we're presenting. And it's because of these things that it's, it's logical and it's reasonable to live in this way. So, that's what I have for you this week. No YouTube videos. You guys have been getting entitled, so I decided to pull that from you. I'm just kidding. So, some questions going into cell group. Um, I'm kidding, guys. Okay. Do you think about yourselves as this new way, in this new way of offering to God? Do you think about yourselves in this new way of offering to God? Are you proactive or reactive in this attitude as a living sacrifice? What do you do to help make sure that, you are, that what you are presenting is without blemish and without defects in the way that you live? How when you, you know, step up and present yourself to Christ, when he inspects you, is it going to be with blemish and defect? Or are you working toward that? And how are you working toward that? And what are you doing to make sure that you are without blemish and defect? Um, how are you ensuring that your sacrifice is every day, your living sacrifice is every day, 24-7, 365 mentality, rather than just in your best moments. And in your living sacrifice, how are you stepping alongside Christ to be partners with him in his suffering, and could you be doing more? Let's talk about these things.